Empire. Fantasy became a VC reality. I think there's a, a really exciting movement underway that's transforming the way we consume, engage, interact, and it's um, and that's the part where I think there's no going backwards. That's Meredith McFerrin, CEO and managing partner of Drive by DraftKings, a firm looking for the kingmakers of the future. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. DraftKings is one of the great success stories and content disruptors of the late 20th and early 21st century. The marketplace is shifting, though, thanks to sports gambling continuing its slow roll to legalization in the United States. And Meredith McFerrin is working with DraftKings to shepherd the new investment platforms with Drive. Our guest this week is Meredith McFerrin, who's the CEO and managing partner of Drive by DraftKings, which is a multi-stage venture capital firm that is investing in sports tech and entertainment. And yes, you already know who DraftKings is. Hi, Meredith. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me today. Um, so how did you get started with Drive? What, what's your background that brought you to this group? Um, I have a, uh, first of all, I've, I've been with Drive for uh several months now, and it's just um, a, a super exciting opportunity and space. I have both an investing and an operating background, so um, been involved in, in, in lots of stages of innovation, both uh, in early stage and, and really um, into later stage as well, um, both with startups and um, innovation within larger companies. I also um, am a former athlete and a parent of three, two college athletes and one up and coming. Um, so huge area of interest for me as well as just having focused um, for the last 20 years on tech and its um, transformation of so many sectors, including this one. Um, so you said you've been there for several months. Several months means COVID. Um, how has the industry kind of worked in your view at this juncture during the most unusual year in our lifetimes? Um, yes. So, you know, it, it has um, changed so much, as we all know, and been hard for so many, including um, individuals and teams, fans, players, and the like. So what a challenging time for so many. But um, a lot of the I think changes that we've seen, you know, with, with adversity sparked so much innovation, um, incredible resiliency by by um, by businesses, by individuals, families alike, and um, and we've seen it in the sector in um, in, in inspiring ways. Um, so I think a lot of um, what we're seeing in terms of what's happening in this sector. Um, in terms of change was well on its way before, before COVID specifically, like with um, sports betting and, you know, with the catalyst of PASBA in, in, in 2018, 
we've seen, you know, huge interest and demand and growth um, that was sort of well underway before COVID. But then with COVID, as, as, as live sports came to a halt and then became, you know, um, we were forced to view them in an entirely different way, we started to see a real amplification of certain things um, in media and fan engagement and the way people interacted as well as um, just fans need for greater connectivity um, as they were more isolated uh, at home. So, you know, there's been a lot of change and, and um, I think some of it was well underway before COVID and certain aspects of it have been dramatically changed um, during COVID. Uh, and I think we'll continue going forward. Um, let's talk about the fantasy and gaming industries. Obviously, you'll be close to that with the connection directly to DraftKings. Um, yep. Do you feel that the growth that's been happening here was bound to happen? Or has it been accelerated here because of what's happening with COVID-19? Yeah, I would say both. Uh, both bound to happen and accelerated. Um, and and, and let's unpack that just a little bit. As I spoke about just a second ago, the, the, the bound to happen was really, you know, I think in, in many ways related to this incredible, you know, catalyst and rollout of, uh, and is still, you know, 19 states that um, are legal plus Washington, D.C. And we just saw uh, with the election, three more states come on in terms of legalized sports betting. Um, so, there's clearly a ton of demand to get skin in the game and to get more engaged. I think it's become um, really mainstream and exciting for uh, for fans everywhere to engage with the games they love in this way. So in, in part, that's the bound to happen. In terms of the, the catalyst piece, I mean, you know, here's where you start to see both um, – fans and, and people who are wanting to bet, um, innovating themselves and, and, and tech and, and media um, and operators responding. So um, looking at, for instance, uh, second screen viewing, um, you know, as we were forced to be remote, the people would engage with second screen. So watching um, with one screen and Betting and chatting and um, and um, you know and and watching together with another and uh, interesting how you know this was picked up on and I think great innovation on the tech side to then make that even more possible beginning with watch parties watch and play in game betting so what we're seeing is is just you know incredible innovation and adaptation to this circumstance that we have that's actually enhancing this experience, allowing us to both be more connected together and to each other and to the athletes and the teams um, and engage in this competition, which I think always ups the ante and makes us more excited to be in it. You know, the interesting part about second screen is everyone recognizes that it's real and it's important and it's the future and it's how people engage. What I can't seem to get a gauge on is what is going to be on that second screen. Is it 
social interaction? Is it in-game betting? Is it fantasy? Is it a different type of funnel that's maybe more uh, more directed than a Twitter? I don't think anyone knows the answer to that yet. Have you guys come around to the ideas that you think the second screen will actually be about? Yeah, so I actually think um, it's, it's a great question. I, I think um, it's all of that. And I actually think this interactivity and full integration of experiences is what we're seeing that is so exciting, right? Interactivity is huge. People want to be involved. They want to be doing more, not just passively watching, right? And and with these second screen and to you know also watching single screen like mobile, right? I may want to do on one small screen as I go forward because that allows me to access anywhere and to go anywhere. So we're watching that carefully too. But I do think to your point, it's um, it, it's it's all of the above, the watch parties, the embedding, the, the chatting, the commerce, and um, remarkable appetite to kind of engage in all of the above, all of the above at the same time. And, and, and by the way, in a very personalized way. So I also want it to be relevant to me, I want the data to inform the bets I want to make, right? Not just any bet. I, I want to be connected to the people that, and not just anyone, but the people that I care about and, and, the, and oftentimes, you know, um, invited into some, you know, ex- more um, specific and curated kinds of conversations. Uh, and you see that really not just on the linear side, but obviously led by Twitch and others where you can do that right now, right, on the streaming side. So I think there's a, um, a, a, a really exciting movement underway that's transforming the way we consume, engage, interact. And, it's, um, and that's the part where I think there, there's no going backwards. This is... Um, fast train moving forward the way teams engage um with their fans that's been evolving here you know that's another one that the genie's been out of the bottle there that they've taken more control of their own narrative and you know their success level probably is uh you know varies by team and league um but with COVID 19 and things very different and a attempt to connect differently what have you seen and what's the biggest change that you envision in the way that teams and leagues go about trying to engage with their fans? Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that I think has just been super interesting and, again, I think accelerated by our circumstances within COVID is, um, you know, when we were left without sports to watch for a bit, we um, we more deeply engaged in some of those behind-the-scenes stories and narratives, and I think found them incredibly compelling. Um, so I think as teams have begun to understand a little more deeply about why people follow sports, why fans do, and what it means to them, I think there's been... Um, 
a lot of great movement around just sharing deeper narratives and taking the mask off a little bit, allowing people to get closer and in some ways to humanize the athletes um, and even the teams and and um, and 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 training and you know a lot of the the journey of sports. Um, so allowing people in a bit and that I think that connection we've seen that in content innovation, short and mid format kind of content and stories, people wanting to engage in it and get closer to them. Um, and so I, I think that is a, a real step forward um, for how teams will and athletes will engage with their audiences. Um, to my point earlier, I also think just getting, finding ways to deliver that, that content and those stories in more personalized ways and, and to encourage a level of interactivity. Um, now we're seeing, you know, you can join a watch party with your favorite athlete and have them, you know, maybe off season or with more nostalgic kind of viewing yeah. comment and add some really exciting new perspective on an all-star game from years ago. And so I think, you know, if we're starting to see how, how that engagement is changing and, and a lot of that was innovated here. Yeah, I, the other night my my uh, my kids love uh, Mandalorian, which is the series on Disney Plus, and right. they have a watch party function where you could essentially watch the new episode with anyone else you invite to do so. And I'm looking at this going, man, that's the future of sports teams. I mean, like they can do that; they can have their own literal curated broadcast, whatever the NFL will allow them to do or the NHL will allow them to do. But they could have that and they could have it on a streaming service. And there's just so much, you know, that seems open and available um, to the sports totally. fan. You know, there's also just been a ton of like, you know, again, out of necessity, but these virtual fan experiences um, that I think have completely enhanced remote viewing. And even if and when we, you know, we'll get back to some sense of normal in live events eventually, but you can't always attend and right. There's most often you can't right? for all the things that we love. And so how these, you know, VR and AR and our ability to port into um, live experiences, even when we're remote and feel like we're there, that whole part of the experience has also, I think, increased. So, Yes, we can have these watch parties get closer. We get data now to get closer. We're able to, you know, engage in micro transactions to understand more deeply kind of what each of our athletes and teams are doing. And now we can actually feel like we're there when we're when we're far away. And so I think all of that is allowing to the point of like, oh, we have we're able to get closer and to interact in a fundamentally different way. That's why I'm so optimistic of kind of how this will change the game going forward. Um, you had mentioned um, your kids, which are, who are athletes and that you have interest in sports. And, and obviously you must've had interest in youth sports at some point in time. And here we are in a strange year. Um, health and fitness is clearly at issue, how people connect to their gyms, whether it's virtually or whether they're still going in person and how do they stay in shape and, and remaining healthy 
Um, there's been a lot of acquisitions in that space too, which I think also might be coincidental to what's going on with, with a pandemic. Um, how do you kind of view that sector of sports technology right now? Right. That's a great question. I'm so bullish on this sector. Uh, it has, <clears throat> again, you know, you could ask the same question as, you know, uh, were the seeds of this going on before or was this, you know, is this completely accelerated um, by COVID? And, and uh, I think the answer to that is also both. Um, we've clearly seen, as you mentioned, tons of um, activity here because people have been uh, confined to their homes. So in, in terms of health and fitness and wearables and that whole area of human performance, um, it's been um, really on its hair, I think, as all of uh, fitness tech and, and, and you know, wearables are, have become more accessible to the mainstream and to all of us at home and how we're engaging in it. So, yes, you know, you've seen the WHOOP um, investment and, you know, become a, become a, a unicorn um, mirror being, you know, acquired by Lululemon. I do think that we're going to see continued activity on the M&A front. This space is growing um, and projected to grow over 15% over the next five years. Uh, I think even when we can go back into, uh, you know, gyms and other places that we love and stepping outside of our homes and um, our our neighborhoods to, to, to get our fitness fix, there'll still be, I think, um, and actually I think even more so, you know, a – um, an enhanced now connectivity between um, our environment, what we're doing, how we how, how we engage in it, and and how our bodies respond in a very highly personalized way. So, you know, uh, what we need for sleep, how our blood sugars responding to things that we eat, and how that helps us perform better or worse, um, and so forth. So, I, I think we've got um, just Lot you know early innings on that front. Lots of people attacking the space, and uh, and lots of exciting growth going forward. Okay, I'll leave you with this. Obviously, there's um you know there's there's problems to solve in the health and fitness space. That's probably exciting as someone who's who's looking into investments. If someone can come up with a solution, um, there's a glut of sports tech in entertainment and media. Um, how do you pick and choose what you think is a winner? in that space right now, because there are so many options and everybody is vying yeah. for the fans' attention. Yep. Yep. And even in, in human performance as well, it, you know, a lot of fragmentation, a lot of people running after the same, um, you know, problems with, with, you know, with their attempt at unique solutions. So when we, uh, when we look at ideas, uh, we, you know, first and foremost look at the, founding team and the founder and um, and how um, you know their, their experience how committed they are to doing this and just their energy to climb a mountain run through a wall to kind of make things happen you've just got to have that no matter what space you're in if you are starting something from scratch um, we look at the problem that they're trying to solve and um, you know, the size and scope of that and whether they truly have an understanding of where they fit within the competitive field of play and how they are unique and different from what's out there. 
Um, and, and then, you know, um, their, their plans and ability to get to market, it's, um, it's tough, right, to break through, especially when there's a lot, as you say, a lot of um, companies going after it. And so, um, you know, really zooming in on why you, why this solution, why now, and uh, a vision for, for execution that's going to um, be differentiated and, and um, can easily accelerate. And then we just take a look at um, how we can help. Uh, we've, I've got an incredibly unique position in the sports and tech and digital entertainment space. And, um, and I think we, when we look at what we fund, we look at both its potential and, um, and our ability, uh, which we're very bullish on, to uniquely activate and accelerate that in a differentiated way. Meredith McFerrin is the CEO and the managing partner of the venture capital firm Drive by DraftKings. Thanks so much, Meredith. Thank you. Great to be here. On the next Future Sport Podcast, every golf swing from every tournament is at the ready for a new content home. Our consumer is more savvy than ever before, the sports consumer, consuming on social platforms, consuming on YouTube, uh, consuming via mobile, everyone's mobile first. And they are also there's also an expectation of timeliness. That's Navin Singh, USGA Chief Commercial Officer. He and Shaka Arnon from WSC Sports discuss their collaboration to help golf give every fan whatever they want. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.